It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What are the biggest must-dos for BYU football as to get ready to be members of the Big 12 Conference this offseason? We're discussing it on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars part of your day, making it your first listen of your day. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Title sponsor on today's show is our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has, has covered you all season long and continues to cover you all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. I had a bevy of questions sent in uh, for our regular mailbag edition on Thursday, and I got inundated. I was able to answer all of them, so we're actually going to answer as many as we can on today's show, and hopefully we'll finish up answering all the questions you guys submitted. So thank you for your support as always. But two of them in particular stood out to me that I wanted to kind of make our 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 topic du jour of this Friday edition of the podcast. Uh, first one comes in from our good friend Mandy Jones. Mandy is about as loyal a Cougar fan as there is out there. So Mandy, thank you for submitting this question. It says, now that we are in the offseason, what will the coaching staff, speaking of BYU football in particular, be doing between now and spring camp to prepare for next season? That's a very interesting question, Mandy. Now the first thing is obviously they're going to shore up their recruiting. Uh, obviously they're going to be uh, going through the transfer portal. They continue to work on that. Uh, there's actually a loophole, I guess not a loophole, but it's it's, a, it's an opening this weekend for mid-year transfers to actually make official visits to campuses. So if BYU has any guys in the transfer portal they're continuing to pursue, and I, I've got it on pretty good authority, they're continuing to absolutely do work in the transfer portal, I would assume they probably bring some guys in for visits this weekend and uh, see what they want. Uh, no, not see what they want. See what they like or what they dislike about the BYU football program and maybe uh, lock up a commitment or two. Uh, one big one that went into the portal uh, yesterday, I'm recording this for Friday, so Thursday technically, but uh, Paul Miley, uh, starting center for the University of Utah football program, started 16 games for the Utes in his career at center. He went into the transfer portal. Now Miley is not necessarily the prototypical offensive lineman. I believe he lists him at six foot two, so that's going to limit the amount of uh, positions he can play along the offensive line. But uh, his starting experience for Utah, him being a grad transfer, and just his overall familiarity with Utah, being a graduate of East High School, I wouldn't be surprised. And I actually, uh, I believe the BYU probably will have already. He reached out to him and to gauge his interest in potentially coming to Provo. Like a, a similar to a conversation we had about Makai Bernard on yesterday's show, does that mean that they're going to land him? No, but if you were to ask me, Jake, if you if between Makai Bernard and Paul Miley, what are the better chance of BYU landing one of the two? I'd pl- place infinitely higher chances on getting uh, a guy like Paul Miley to enroll at BYU than Makai Bernard. I, I think that Miley would fill a very uh, big need for BYU to fill at least depth, if not be a starting guard for 
potential backup center for BYU in 2023, and I think it'd be a home run pickup. So uh, to get back to your question, Mandy, first thing is shore up recruiting. Obviously, they'll be uh, doing that throughout the rest of the month leading up to National Signing Day on February 1st. Looking forward to that. Obviously, we'll do a full recap of BYU's uh, schedule. Hopefully, the schedule's out by then. We'll also go back through BYU's recruiting class. And then a number of you also asked this this week. I'll, I'll address this question. Jake, uh, can you do a list of all the mid-year enrollees, return missionaries, and the like? Well, we'll actually get that official list from BYU then. We'll know who exactly is going to be on the roster going into spring ball, and then I'll have a better idea and we'll be able to answer that for you guys. I can do uh, my list, but my list is far from complete and or accurate. Uh, I don't know necessarily how the calculus is going to work out for BYU. So first thing, shore up recruiting. Second thing, they'll do a, uh, they will call their debriefings or their kind of their their brain dump in a way where they'll go back through all of their film uh, from this past season, uh, game by game, and they'll be evaluating how individual players did, I guess an overall look at that, overall look at how their side of the football did, uh, in the case of BYU's offensive coaches in particular, they'll be looking at how each of their position groups did, player by player. On the defensive side of the football, with a new staff in place, they're going to watch the film trying to get to know their new players and understand what their strengths and weaknesses are. Guys like Jay Hill, Sione Pua, uh, Kelly Papinga, and also... Uh, 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 Justin Enna, they'll do a deep dive on their guys and try and uh, project what they will do in the new defense that Jay Hill will be coordinating for BYU football. So uh, that's a big thing as well, is making sure that you understand your personnel, grade them out, and get to know as good as you possibly can without them actually taking the field of what they're going to do. And I guess the third thing these coaches will also be doing is making sure they get an early jump at potentially at looking at the Big 12 with regards to personnel, uh, transfers, uh, coaching moves, all that stuff. They're going to start to get to know the Big 12 more in depth than they ever have before. So those are probably the top three things they'll be doing between now and spring ball. Now a similar question came in uh, from a good friend Aki uh, on social media. He asked how can we elevate the level of competition in the Big 12, speaking we as speaking of BYU football. What is the emphasis this offseason? And Aki, I think the number one thing for BYU, their emphasis is getting ready for the Big 12 in every facet. That means they need to hit the weight room harder. They need to get uh, better uh, scouting reports on each of these Big 12 programs. They just got to essentially upgrade the entirety of this program. And they've been doing this for the better part of two years now, getting ready to make this jump to the Big 12 conference. They are now 239 days away on uh, as of Friday from facing Sam Houston State in their first official football game as a member of the Big 12 Conference. And there's a lot to be done between now and then. But the the overarching theme, I think the biggest emphasis this offseason, is just upgrading every facet of the program to get as Power 5 and Big 12 ready as they possibly can. And that, that, that encompasses everything. I know that's a, it's a generic, almost a cop-out answer in a way, but it's exactly what they're doing. Uh, they're going to obviously be evaluating, okay, roster, what holes do we need to fill? Where do we feel like we need to upgrade the absolute most in recruiting? What do we need to do in terms of fixing the coaching staff? Well, they've already done that. They they whacked the entirety of the defensive staff, Sands, Gennaro, Guilford, and kept uh, brought in a whole new staff to upgrade that side of the football. The offense obviously will start to look for more uh, different ways that they can attack Big 12 defense. Guys like Aaron Roderick, his offense, for for all intents and purposes, every facet of it is on film now. So you can guarantee opposing teams have an idea of what BYU is running, but he obviously will try to find tweaks and little uh, nuggets in his schemes that he can alter that hopefully give BYU a little more of an advantage. Uh, uh, man, there's so many things. Uh, the athletic administration across the board with regards to all the programs going into the Big 12 Conference, they have to upgrade facilities potentially. They have to look at making sure that they 
they have adequate travel expense budgets. There is so many things that go into getting ready for the Big 12 for the BYU football program that I don't think I can necessarily give you an exhaustive list, Aki, of what is going on. And Aki, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I guess I probably should have got that out of the way right off, right off the top. But I think that uh, the biggest thing for BYU is the emphasis is just getting as ready for the Big 12 as humanly possible. Obviously, I've said this before and I'll continue to say this. There are certain things that BYU will not know uh, in terms of what they need to adjust until they actually are living the day-to-day life as a member of the Power 5 and Big 12. And that, that that part of it, you can try and anticipate things, but there are going to be certain road bumps, uh, uh, potholes, uh, roadblocks, that type of stuff that are going to pop up when you finally do get into the midst of being a member of the Big 12 Conference, the Power 5 level, that type of stuff that you probably just simply can't prepare all the way for. But they are doing their best. And I I can assure you this, I've had enough conversations with folks down in Provo that they are um, intent on on BYU being able to hit the ground running as much as they possibly can when they go into the Big 12 Conference. And that should be welcome news to you as a Cougar fan. All right, we'll get to more of these questions here in just a moment. i got got a bevy of them still to, to comb through and answer. We'll get to as many of them as we possibly can. First, need to get a word in on our friends over at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't know want all that fat and calories that are in every candy bar seemingly out there? Then you have to try a Built Bar. And folks, I'm an unabashed fan of Built Bars. I think they're absolutely phenomenal. We just got through the holidays and my goal is to eat a little healthier here in the new year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier, you don't want to compromise on taste though, then I've got the thing for you and that is our friends over at Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they are the most delicious thing I have ever had. I'm serious about this. I've had essentially every Built Bar under under the sun, and I am a big fan up and down the roster. The best part is uh, BYU has a specific Built Bar built uh, made for them. It's the Cougar Tail flavor, obviously um, uh, playing off of BYU's famous treat that you can get at Lavelle Edwards Stadium or the Marriott Center or any uh, BYU athletics contest. But they also have other incredible flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. Uh, the best part is if there's not a flavor that uh, tickles your fancy at Built, uh, we probably could request and they'll probably make it for you. That's the best part about this. And you don't need to wait around uh, to get your online order anymore. We talked for years about going to built.com and you can still do that. Go to built.com and place your order now. By the way, still say 15%, one five, uh, 15% by going to built.com using the promo code locked on 15. But if you want to get them right now, you actually can go to your local Smith's and or Sam's Club and get your built bars right now. Head to your local Smith's and Sam's Club, grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar, uh, four bar box of cookies and cream, coconut puff, salted caramel and brandy batter puffs at your nearest Smith's. Or if you're close to a Sam's Club, you can go, go grab a 13-bar box flavor with their hit flavors, including brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. It's an incredible thing, my friends. Go and check it out now. That's at Sam's Club and your local Smiths. The best part is, once again, Built.com. Use that promo code LOCKED, uh, excuse me, not locked on. <laughs> excuse me, it is locked on. Locked on 15 for 15% off your order. Get it all with our friends over at Built Bar. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and making us part of your day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to encourage you guys to make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's your recap of all the major sports news out there across all leagues. Uh, golf, football, basketball, they've got it all for you guys. Game recaps, hot takes, and the best part is it's all done in 22 minutes or less. You are up to speed and on your way with Locked On Sports Today. Get it available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Alright, getting back to some of these questions on today's show. Next question up uh, comes in from our good friend Mojo. Obviously Mojo, uh, an Air Force pilot for us uh, in the United States Air Force says, are the New York Jets serious about keeping Zach Wilson or are they just trying to pump up his offseason trade value? Now, uh, some of you may uh, have heard the comments from Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets, saying that they want Zach to just get away from football, read a book, take a vacation, just decompress and come back uh, with a clear mind. Uh, I'm not convinced it's going to work out in New York for, for Zach. It's just there's this intense scrutiny that I feel like New York Jets fans have this just love of self-loathing in a way and they want nothing more, it seems like, than for uh, their team to suck so they can revel in it. But hey, Zach Wilson is still a talented quarterback. Is the system been perfect for him in New York? Maybe not, but have they given him truly an opportunity to work through his issues? I don't know. The other thing about this is Zach also has to take some responsibility for this. Uh, according to the report, some of the actions he has taken as a quarterback have been less than ideal in terms of being a starter and winning respect in the locker room. So both sides, I think he can improve in this relationship. I do think the New York Jets are uh, not necessarily intent on giving up on Zach if they can't get uh, what they could say, what they would want in terms of trade value for him, and that may be part of this of what Robert Sala is trying to say. But man, I, it doesn't seem like it's a marriage meant to be there in New York, New York with Zach Wilson. But at the same time. Where else are you really going to send him, and where else might he succeed? I I, I don't know the answer on that. Uh, similar related quarterback question, but bringing it back to the BYU football program, Kyle asks, what is the deal with Jake Retzlaff? He says, you reported he was signing and then haven't heard anything in the last week or so. Well, that's the thing about this. I was told Retzlaff was on the short list for BYU to bring in as a member of the BYU football program. That very well might still be the case. It could be announced tomorrow. It could be announced in the next 20 minutes. It could be announced on National Signing Day in February. I, I don't know when it's coming but I still think BYU is very high interest in Ratzlaff transferring from Riverside Community College, where he played these past two years, to be a member of the BYU football program. But I had almost given up hope on Justin Enna becoming a member of the BYU football staff, and then suddenly during the middle of the Rose Bowl, I get an alert, hey, BYU's hired Justin Enna as their linebackers coach. So give it some time. I I still think it's likely to work out, but the timing of it, honestly, I I expected it to happen by now. Apparently, BYU's deciding to do it their way. All right, uh, next question coming in. Uh, Sam Emery, why are some transfers taking so long to be announced? Jake Retzlaff, like, et cetera. While others, like Waylon Lapuaho, had a very short time to uh, make their announcement. I think it's all dependent, first, on making sure guys are interested and or are going to sign with BYU. You've got to make sure that they are committed to your program, get that paperwork filed. They also have to be able to get enrolled in school. And BYU, to their credit, I'll give them this. For many, uh, many years, BYU's admissions office was actually making life very difficult for BYU in in certain circumstances to get uh, transfers into school in a pretty expeditious manner. I think that the university 
the uh, uh, brain trust kept led by Kevin Worthen, the university president, has essentially told the admissions office, stop it with the crap. Get out of the way and understand that BYU football is trying to compete on a national level and they're trying to help uh, fast track some of this. Does that mean that every one of them is going to go swimmingly? No, because they still have to match up academic requirements, make sure that all the transcripts are in there, all that stuff. So there are different facets that go into making sure that BYU's got their side covered and also the athlete has their uh, things that they have to do uh, done. But it really is just dependent on how quickly things, I think, can get processed. So, yeah, some of them take longer than others, but like guys like Waylon Lapuaho, what was it? Went into the uh, transfer portal, I think, on a Wednesday, announced minutes afterwards that BYU had offered him. Two days later, he announces his commitment, and then early this week, I think Tuesday, officially uh, BYU sends out an announcement he's officially signed. So less than a week for him to get things taken care of, whereas others have taken weeks, if not months, at times in the past. So uh, I don't necessarily know why exactly, but the nice part is it sounds like BYU's admissions uh, department is starting to play a little more ball with BYU football, and that's a very positive development for BYU to have that uh, in the in the calculus here. All right, uh, next one coming in. Riley asks, Jake, why, which, excuse me, not why, which of the new staff hires are you most excited about and why? Number one, Jay Hill. I think Jay Hill was a home run hire. Uh, he's proven to be a, a great recruiter, a great coordinator, and now he's got a track record as a proven head coach. He is ready to take the next step in his career and hopefully make the jump to the Power 5 level as a head coach of his own, and he sees the opportunity if he can coordinate an elite defense or a top-tier defense in the Big 12 with BYU as being that opportunity for him to make that stepping stone to his next head coaching destination. Will it work out? Only time will tell. But I absolutely think Jay Hill was the top target, and BYU went out and got their guy. Kalani got his guy, and that uh, it got me very excited. I love having Kelly Papinga back on the staff at BYU. He is just an absolute fireball of a human being gets it done on the recruiting trail, is unafraid to challenge for top-level athletes. Uh, I think the entire defensive staff, I've said this before, is going to revolutionize how BYU's uh, defensive recruiting is going to go. They're not going to shy away from uh, competition, whereas some of the guys in the last staff at times felt like they shied away from really competing for top-level athletes. This staff won't do that. The other uh, the other guy I'm interested in to see how he does is Sione Puha. I think Sione is a fantastic addition to the BYU football program because, uh, first off, he's was an All-American football player at Utah. He knows the defensive tackle position inside now, and that defense for BYU is going to have a different philosophy defensive line-wise, especially for the defensive tackles. It's no longer the, the you're supposed to hold guys up and allow other players to make plays. They're actually going to ask the defensive tackles to shoot gaps and make plays in this defense. It's going to be a different mindset. So you have to have a guy who's played in this defense to coach those guys up. Well, Sione Puha has done that. He's coached it as well, so the nice part is he can bring that uh, to the table for BYU. All right, next question coming in. Nick Chadwick, our good friend, says, what player do you think will improve the most with the new coaching on the defensive side of the ball? And he also says, do you think that Kalani is involved enough on the recruiting trail? Now, first question, uh, which player do I think will improve the most with new coaching on the defensive side of the ball? That's an interesting question, but I'm actually going to give you an answer that may surprise you. I think Malik Moore. Uh, obviously, he broke his hand in the fourth game of this year, red-shirted with the intent of keeping that eligibility alive to come back and hopefully have a healthy senior year for BYU. I think with Jay Hill coaching him up, Malik Moore could see his best season ever in a BYU uniform on the back end of BYU's defense. One other guy I would keep an eye on because I just think that he's got the capability of becoming a very, very good football player still, and he's already 
played at a pretty decent level, is Tyler Batty. I, I'm, I'm still not out on Tyler Batty. I think that he has still got more to give and more to develop as a football player. And hopefully, guys like Kelly Papinga, Jan Jorgensen staying on as a football analyst for BYU can get that out of him. I, I think that this new defense that BYU is going to run where he's going to be called upon to be a pass rusher. I Praise be that he will no longer be playing that middle linebacker or that out on the edge playing coverage as a defensive end. That stuff was complete garbage. I cannot believe BYU's scheme was developed for that, uh, but I, I'm excited to finally see him in his role as it should be as a defensive slash rush end for BYU. Now on the Reclani uh, recruiting part, as a head coach, you're actually restricted far more as a head coach recruiting-wise than you are as a position coach. You can only make so many visits as a head coach to players' homes. You can only make so many uh calls to them, that type of stuff. Kalani is as involved as he possibly can be in the the way that BYU goes about recruiting. So uh, I, don't, I don't think necessarily uh, think that it is a bad thing that uh, he is uh, has to be out in terms of uh, not being able to have the contact he would like to have. But uh, you, as you mentioned, you also, had, you also added this tidbit, uh, Nick. Uh, you also added that I feel like it might be impossible to tell him no if he shows up in your loving, living room uh, to sell BYU. And I would agree with that. Kalani is a, a phenomenal closer, but he, he, he is as involved as he possibly can be. It's just that the NCAA rules restrict him a little bit more than some of his position coaches as well. Oh man, I got so many questions here. So uh, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to get to I think one more question here. And if I did not get to your question, I will hold on to them for next week, and we will get to them as soon as we possibly can. But the last question we're going to give last word question wise uh, to this one. B McGarry asked this: What are your realistic expectations for BYU's defense next year? Now, that is a fantastic question because it's a new staff. Obviously, having to reload along the defensive line and the linebacking core with some guys transferring slash other guys transferring in and graduations all the same. I think that BYU's defense, if they can play... Let's say they're top 60 in scoring defense next year. They were near 100 this year. So that's 40 uh, spots higher in scoring defense. If, and if they're top half of college football in scoring defense alone next year, that would be a phenomenal improvement for BYU. Do I expect them to come out and be absolute gangbusters on defense in year one under Jay Hill? No, because he's still trying to get his philosophy installed, get the right athletes in the positions they need to be. Uh, these players also have to adapt to a new scheme. And there's obviously going to be inevitable mistakes made as they're trying to figure out uh, the scheme that they're playing in. So you're, you're, you're never going to get the perfect product of BYU's defense under Jay Hill in year one. At least I don't expect it. But if they can make a significant improvement especially in scoring defense, because if you look at the metrics this year, BYU, the games they won, they typically held their opponents in the 20 points range. So 20 between 20 and 30 points when they lost uh, outside of not having a quarterback seemingly against Notre Dame. Typically, that team scored 30 or more points on them in the losses. Uh, so that, that's the thing about this is scoring defense is absolutely critical. And if they can get back to being top 60, top 50, if they're even top 40 in, in, in scoring defense, if they were top 40 in scoring defense next year, BYU's going to a bowl game. I don't, I'd, I'd almost guarantee they win at least six games if they are top 40 in scoring defense. Do I expect it? Maybe not, but I think if they can get 
to out of the hundreds in scoring defense and get themselves back into the 60s or the 50s, I think that's a pretty good spot to be for BYU's defense. All right, we're going to finish up today's show, finish up the week here on the podcast uh, with our uh, another look back at yet another game in BYU football history. Game 5 of the 2011 season. It signaled a shift at the quarterback position that year and obviously changed the fortunes of that entire season. We'll talk about that in a moment, but first we need to talk about our friends over at Utah Community Credit Union. They're offering you guys a 15-month savings certificate uh, right now with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. The best part is you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. All of us know that we're currently living with huge interest rates and inflation is on the rise out there. UCCU is here to help you guys use that current raise in rates to your advantage. That You do that with that savings uh, uh, certificate. It's a 15-month savings certificate once again with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. The best part is these savings certificates can be done for as little as $500, making it an awesome opportunity for every type of saver, both big or small. And once again, the best part is during that 15-month period, you can jump up your interest rate once, anytime during the life of your savings certificate. That way, if yields continue to rise, you have the option to jump up to the higher yield, which makes it a great savings tool in this rising interest rate environment. So the best part is you can get started for really easily. Go to a UCCU, go to one of the branches along the Wasatch front, give them a call, or go online to uccu.com and you can get started there. The best part is if you have uh, other terms or variety of term options you're looking for, they have those for you guys as well to make sure to customize your experience as best they possibly can. So once again, that's uccu.com to learn more now about those savings certificate. That's UCCU. Love where you bang. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Uh, BYU basketball is in action as I actually record this podcast, so I'm going to do this right now. We're going to record a live reaction. Oh, what a bad loss for BYU. Ooh, what a big win for BYU, and uh, okay, they grounded out. We'll get a full recap. I'm actually going to do a postcast uh, tomorrow night after BYU takes on San Diego. We'll talk about the LMU game as well as San Diego, uh, two games in one. Uh, singing up till 11 o'clock and recording until midnight with my radio schedule, having to wake up at 3.30. Yeah, that's a little tough. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to knock out a podcast and we'll talk about the results of basketball uh, later on uh, a postcast edition on Saturday night. So before we go on today's show, let's continue our look back at all 155 games games of BYU's independent era. And now we're talking about game five of 155. And that was a matchup on October 1st, uh, 2011 between BYU and Utah State. The Aggies came to Provo, obviously hoping to make a a name for themselves. And they made life difficult for BYU in this game. Uh, Chucky Keaton uh, had two touchdown passes in this game. Robert Turbin, uh, many of you might recall, actually started the game, the very first play from scrimmage, an 80-yard sprint down the right sideline for a touchdown. And it's like, oh, geez, BYU could find themselves in trouble. Well, Jake Heaps came out and had maybe his uh, least effective game as BYU's quarterback this season, going 11 of 25 for 107 yards, and then BYU decided in the second half to make this shift. They made the QB change. Riley Nelson took over as BYU's quarterback in this game, went 10 of 14 with 144 yards and two touchdowns, also added 62 rushing yards for BYU, and many of you will recall that pass uh, that deflected off McKay Jacobson and then ended up nestled in the arms after the deflection of Mark. 
Marcus Matthews gave BYU a thrilling 27-24 win, come from behind in the, in the fourth quarter uh, to get BYU to 3-2 and two on the season. Now, the craziest thing about this, obviously that crazy play, the touchdown to win it, because uh, Riley Nelson fires it in there. McKay Jacobson gets his hands on it and deflects it up into the air. And I remember I was watching it. I was actually at the stadium. I was at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I'm like, oh my goodness, that ball is going to go up in the air. Could that be interception? And all of a sudden, Marcus Matthews, who's like on a crossing route, just plucks it out of the air. It was a phenomenal play uh, in the end. But it's one of those things like, no, 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 yes! It's one of those plays as a, as a BYU fan that you will recall. And obviously, BYU fans flooded the field. Uh, I remember that vividly. BYU retained... Uh, uh, the old wagon wheel as well. Uh, it was just a it was a solid win for BYU. But the biggest thing from this win for the BYU football program was it signaled that the Jake Heaps era, for all intents and purposes, was dead and gone. And I I, I would assume that Jake Heaps. I don't know necessarily know this for sure. I, I think he felt the 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 I guess the the wind change or he understood that hey you're no longer the guy at BYU. And ultimately, we all know at the end of the season he transferred out of the program, ended up at Kansas, and then at Miami and now is uh, working with Russell Wilson and he's carved out a pretty good life for himself. I, I gotta give him that, but never lived the dream that I think he expected to at BYU. But Riley Nelson in this game, the former Aggie himself, a guy who had uh, actually led Utah State to some pretty decent wins as a true freshman before going on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. During that mission, deciding to commit to the BYU football program, actually had an entire rule named after him uh, to prevent what happened in terms of his transfer from Utah State to BYU BYU while in the mission field uh, that was uh, done away with in the NCAA. Uh, it was just one of those things. Riley Nelson becomes the guy for BYU and that night began the legend of Riley Nelson and in many ways had he not taken over in that game uh what is 2011 and what does independence look like for BYU? Does Brandon Doman, if Brandon Doman had dug his heels in and said, no, Jake Heaps is my guy. I recruited this guy from the time he was a young buck. I brought him to BYU. He's a five-star talent. I've got to make what I can get out of this kid. If, if, if Brandon Doman had been that obstinate to make sure that Jake Heaps was his guy, what might have happened with BYU season? What might have happened in independence? We'll never know. It's just one of those kind of great what ifs. But my personal opinion is if they had stuck with Jake Heaps that season, I'm not 100% convinced they even get to a bowl game because there was just ineffective play. And you can you can obviously pile that on to Brandon Doman. Brandon Doman's offenses during the first two years of independence before he was relieved of his duties and Robert and I was brought back. They were not uh, n- not great. I don't necessarily think that the personnel that BYU had also were adapted to what Brandon Doman ideally wanted to do, but that's neither here nor there. The change to Riley Nelson, though, just completely changed the fortunes of that first year of independence for BYU, and I think actually made, in the end, BYU feel like, okay, you know what? We can do this independent thing. We we have a team that can compete. Now, the schedules in 2011 as an independent, and also the first three or four years of independence versus what BYU has faced under Kalani Satake are night and day different. It, we're going to talk about some of these games coming up later on in this 2011 season over the next week, going into next week here on the podcast. I remember that game against Idaho. We're going to talk about some of these. But this game, this Utah State game, thrilling, obviously, with the last uh, second touchdown to win it for BYU. But the shift in quarterback. After the game, Bronco Mendenhall said that uh, Brandon Doman at halftime said, hey, we need to make the change here. And the question, obviously, was then, okay, well, is is Riley Nelson your starter moving forward? And if I recall correctly, and it's so many years ago, 
I think Bronco kind of hemmed and hawed and said, we're going to evaluate it. But I think anybody who was sitting in that postgame press conference or heard it knew that Riley Nelson, number 13 himself, was the new BMOC, the big man on campus for BYU football after that game. And uh, as we will discuss, led BYU to actually a pretty decent uh, debut campaign as an independent program, but we'll save that for next week. So that's game five of our look back at the independent era for BYU. By the way, uh, I can't post the video clips on this podcast because apparently YouTube and ESPN get mad at me, but I'm putting them on uh, on Instagram, and you'll see it. We have a new little ticker down below here if you're watching this on YouTube. If you want to go check out Locked On Cougars on Instagram, we're putting up some of these great plays as we look back at all 155 games of BYU's independent era. Kind of the biggest play of each game in a way, and sometimes it comes from the opposition. When BYU lost games, it sometimes the biggest play of the game belonged to the opponent. We'll be using those, so go to Instagram and follow us there, Locked On Cougars. All right, that is going to do it. A big thank you once again for joining us all week long, joining us on today's show, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day, as always. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there, wherever you might be, watching this on YouTube, listening to it wherever you get your podcast. regardless. Thank you so much for your support. I uh, want to encourage you guys now to make your second listen to our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get yourself ready for TCU playing in the national championship with Josh Neighbors. 30 minutes or less, he's got you up to speed on all the news in the Big 12 conference. Get that free and available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts just like this show. All right, that's going to do it for myself. Have a great weekend. We'll do a postcast tomorrow night to talk BYU hoops, and obviously we'll be back talking BYU football and getting to more of your guys' questions. You guys were absolutely marvelous this week, so thank you, as always, for all of your support. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.